Doctor Strange. You think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. I'll be back. Julia. We're home. Are you not entertained? My name is Bond. James Bond. I'm funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. My name is Nina Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I'm a doctor, not a doorstop. I see dead people. Kansas City Alpha 5! This is Retake, a show about enjoying the cinematic arts. That includes TV shows, old films, new films, pretty much anything that catches our fancy. I'm Joe Darnell, and I'll be your master sorcerer on this cinematic journey. Joining me today in our quest to protect the world from evil interdimensional beings is our very own super, TJ Drip. Oh, <laughs> hi Joe, how are you? I'm doing excellent. You know... It's it's a thing now, right? We can call uh, superheroes supers. I mean, the Incredibles yes. established that. So that uh, that was left over from last week's script, and I failed to change that word <laughs> for you. So you just read it as it was and took it at face value. And I'm I just, guess we'll leave that in. I'm just fed the lines, and DJ put the lines in the, the script here. So uh, you want to redo that? Should we take this whole thing on the road, or should we actually go reverse and just uh, go back to editing? I, I I don't care. Well, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I'm looking at this. To be sorcerer. Um, I'm checking out Rotten Tomatoes, and it says that uh, Doctor Strange is getting a number five in some list for what does it say at the top? It says oh, there's so many films. Okay, Marvel movies ranked worst to best by t- the Tomato Meter. So Doctor Strange is number five. You got it from Rotten Tomatoes, everyone. I guess that's a show. <laughs> well, there you go. So it really doesn't matter what we have to say. Mm. Uh, did, what, what, what number did you say Doctor Strange was? It's listed as uh, number five. Okay. What, what's ahead of it? Yeah, we got well, wait, where, f- where is this link? We want to put it in the show notes. So oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, show notes. That's what this entire thing is about, right? Yeah. I'm going yeah. to insert. Well, this episode like, already has a weird vibe, doesn't it? <laughs> it it's a little different. It, I, I don't know. The space-time continuum may have been thrown off in the last 24 hours. Perhaps. Doctor Strange is manipulating our time. Okay, so coming in fourth place was Captain America Civil War. And then you got yeah, number okay. three is Guardians of the Galaxy. So Guardians of the Galaxy ahead of Captain America Civil War. I actually have to, I, I have to agree. I, I prefer I'm okay Guardians. with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. I don't know that I would do that in my own personal ranking, but I'm okay with it. Because okay, but what about this? Number two is Marvel's The Avengers, the first film. Do you still feel that, that it's ranked that highly? It's that uh, good? Yeah, I in fact, and they're they're obviously just going by tomato meter ratings, obviously because it's ninety two percent. And but I I feel like I would rank it maybe first still. I don't know. I don't okay, know because I really did what, like Civil did War. You, did you see what came in first then? I did, and and it's fine because it was a really good movie. <sighs> it was. It was two thousand eight's Iron Man. Yeah. At ninety four percent on the tomato meter, it is the highest rated uh, Marvel film. 
What I don't agree with here is is the critics by the tomato meter at 66% have Thor the Dark World at number 14, uh, which is behind Iron Man 2, which is behind Thor? Right. Come on. And Ant-Man is ahead of Captain America the First Avenger. I yeah, don't yeah. know about that. The tomato meter is bunk. It's garbage, Joe. All right. This is why we review our own films. All right. Closing that tab, moving <laughs> over to the IMDb. I don't know what they rank, so I'm going to continue using this site until I find their rankings. They say they gave it eight out of ten stars for the film we're talking about today. We're talking about Doctor Strange. We if are, you had any questions so. about that, well, I I didn't have a question, Joe, but our listeners might have because we just sort of dived right into that. This film is very unique. So here is a little storyline. Uh, we're going to make it up uh, off the cuff this week. I feel like this is the kind of story I didn't want to put into a simple synopsis like we often do. We just read something from the internet, but this one is more organic and confusing like inception. So let's see, where would we start? We would start with, it's not very much like the trailers that lead you to believe it's even more like inception than it actually is. That's true. Yeah. Then what it sets at is an arrogant doctor in his American hospital doing his thing living the life, making a lot of money, picking and choosing his patients to make him look better and trying to maintain a casual relationship with another doctor that he's sort of into and she is sort of into him, but obviously she knows that she is too good for him. So she is trying to keep a breast link away, a length away, you know, from this guy. What, is that a saying or did I just screw something up? I just screwed up. I think you saying. just meshed a whole bunch of sayings into something weird. Yeah, she's trying to keep him at arm's length away. We'll go with that. There you go. There you go. The doctor, uh, being the fool that he is, gets himself into a car accident. And this means he damages his hands and he will never be the same. But he's looking for healing and he will stoop to whatever is necessary to get his hands fully restored. So he turns to uh, mysticism and he thinks that these people may just have a solution because it has worked on one other person that they have treated. Turns out that they are defenders of the multiverse. They are protecting the universes, keeping the Marvel franchise apart from the DC franchise. No, no, that's not it. They are trying to keep (laughs) the worlds apart so that uh, evildoers in other universes will not come and harm Earth in this universe. And so he gets wrapped up and is swept up into this thing that he didn't want to be a part of, and he learns how to save the universe in spite of his shortcomings. I I really liked this film, TJ. How about you? Well, um, it's different. I, yeah, I'm having a hard time getting my thoughts to gel about it. And I, I sat and I made a list of like, you know, because I, I normally sit down, I go, okay, here's what I liked, here's what I didn't like, here's some general thoughts. And and it's very short because I, I and it's it's really hard because I didn't dislike this film, but yet it wasn't like this, it didn't blow my mind the way it seems to be blowing everyone else's mind. You know, it's sitting at 90% on that tomato meter, uh, tomato meter, if I can speak. Tomato and meter. It's to, the mater meter, yes. And uh, it, uh, so it's certified fresh, 90%, like that's that's way up there with, with the, you know, some of the more, to, you know, top end Marvel films. And it just to me, it didn't quite earn that to me. I I don't know. It it's it's like it was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. You know, it didn't blow my mind, and, and it seemed sort of generic to me. And I hate to say that because I was really looking, and I really enjoyed watching it in the theater. But that's kind of where I'm at with this film, Joe. 
you you just don't like magic. You're not into Harry Potter or Star Wars. Well, that's certainly not true. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Harry Potter. Um, and so, yeah. And I, I even, uh, I really love other magical uh, kind of uh, franchises like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, some other things like that. So that, that wasn't it at all. Although this magic didn't really feel much like any Harry Potter magic or Buffy magic, which is yet again something very different. Um uh, I don't know. It just it felt very kind of generic and and hmm. a quick overview of the world to me, and not something that really delved into something I was interested in. I wonder how far it strayed from the comic books. Uh, who knows? I don't have a, any foreknowledge of the stories of this magician. I guess you can call him wizard. Do they call him sorcerer? Wizards? They call him sorcerers. Sorcerers. Okay, we'll go with sorcerers. Doctor Strange. Uh, if you're if you're confused about the name, he's not really a doctor anymore. He is sorcerer strange, but he wants to be known as the, the doctor because well, I mean, he technically he's a doctor because he got his degree in medicine and stuff. Yeah, but he is sa- already saved more lives by saving the universe than he ever did as a doctor. So I kind of think it uh, takes precedent. Well, his his uh, doctoring was very much an ego trip. Um, he wouldn't he would not see people who he didn't believe he could fix or cure. Um, and so that to me even just says like, yeah, he's technically a doctor, but like doctors sometimes, you know, sometimes they do things because they're trying to help people and it's not going to work out, you know, but he, because of his ego, wouldn't even do that. He wouldn't take cases that he was unable to do anything about. And he only took things that would bolster his ego and his position in the world. I have to wonder if there's much to his story that is interesting to comic book fans beyond the origin story. I would hope so. But because he is obscure, kind of like Ant-Man was, I have to wonder if he never really quite landed on his feet in the comics or if he's really a niche within a niche and there are the loyal people who gave him a try and found, yes, this is an excellent story. Well, to me, it, did, it definitely did have this very origin story feel. Um, yes. And, and, and yeah. we've. I'm I'm definitely weary of that. Like we've had so many origin stories with these superheroes and even some of the more recent ones have been good, but I'm starting to grow weary of having to tell the superheroes origin every time. And, and maybe we're going to get around that with Spider-Man uh, that has just been introduced into Marvel. And I don't want yet another origin story for Spider-Man. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I you know, Doctor Strange definitely had a feel of. We have to get this story told and out of the way in order to tell better stories, almost, to me. Uh, and, and I know that I'm, a, I'm in the minority on this opinion, apparently, but that's, that's kind of how I felt about the film. It never felt like the film really landed or stuck into something. I think I would agree with you if origin stories weren't already so compelling in comic books. More of the writers have done work on origin stories than anything else. So I think with more heads put together, they have worked longer and harder to refine the origins over the years. So they wind up typically being more compelling than stories that happen later in the future. Uh, For instance, there's all different kinds of incarnations of, say, Superman. There's one where he was born and raised as, I think, a a communist. Another one where he is... Oh, um, wow. yeah, Yeah, and so it's the kind of thing where you could set aside the origin story and just go off the beaten path and tell a very unique story about Superman that would be very novel from the comic books and might be more interesting to critics. But depending on how far you want to take that in the name of let's be original and give people something they've never heard of before or, you know, something like that, even though the story may be compelling in a way, 
it's it's really so. I, I mean, you, you, there's everything in between these extremes. A a story like their origin that has been refined over and over and over again to ridiculous lengths of uh, you know perfection, then to the opposite extreme, something that's very experimental and it doesn't really have to do with the origin. Has a lot to do with things that happen farther down the road, or it's a a completely different take on the same character. Um, and I think that the, the films for comic book characters are still in their adolescence where a lot of people still only know about these characters from the films and with a character yeah. like Dr. Strange, because he is a magician, it would have been much harder to explain him like a kid. Like I'm calling him a magician. What's wrong with me? TJ, what'd you put in my water? Uh, it, it was, uh, I, I conjured some stuff from, you know, my source. What did ways. you put in my tea? Yes. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the issue would be that no one would understand where a sorcerer using magic would have a place in the Marvel franchise. That's all about science. Like, uh, you know, Thor and, uh, other characters have told us it's, it's really all scientific. Yeah, well, and they even said basically they're drawing power from the dimension, multi-dimensional universe. And uh, you know, if if the word mysticism or sorcerer bothers you, think of it as science. You know, they they basically said this is science, and and we just uh, it's it's our mysticism thing that we do. Um, <laughs> you know, that's basically what they said, right? Yeah, yeah. It has far less to do with religion, to do with God's, uh, you know, inner peace and things like that, and more to do with uh, the the consequences of taking power from any given source. Yeah. So is there a problem with taking power for, from an unorthodox source or an evil source and using it for good? And in this case, they're just saying, well, most all this this energy and all the power that we're using that's available to us is neutral in the hands of an evil guy like a supervillain from another universe, it's it's mm-hmm. diabolical. It's wicked. It's it's bad in their hands. But if we take it and use it for good, and then it's it's for the better for everyone. And why shouldn't we take that power and use it for good? But there's some people even within the context of the story in the film that wonder: Are we doing the wrong thing by using powers that used to belong to evildoers from another universe, or is it off limits because the power itself is inherently wicked? And uh, so it's interesting. The film doesn't make it do a good job of answering that moral dilemma. Not, not really at all. No. But then at the same time, by Strange's example, you get the idea that his actions are totally justified for saving the world, for saving Tokyo, for uh, bargaining with a, a bad guy from another universe um, in order to b- bring about a lot of peace and save really not just planet earth but potentially the universe itself that earth is in yeah well and and like you say like they they really didn't like because we were just supposed to believe that um uh, attila swinton what was her character's name um i I don't remember now Uh, (laughs) but it's like she was we find out she's drawing power um you know from you know this other dimension and it's bad that she's doing so but we we're never really told why or they think that it's bad that she's doing so. So she's called the ancient one. Uh, I was just looking it up. Um, yeah, that's why it's really probably hard why, to remember. 
Yeah, yeah. So and we're never really told why this is, is bad that she's doing it. It's just assumed in the movie. And, and I can't believe she would do that. Mordo was so well, like, it's you know, bad because she has secrets that she hasn't confessed to her closest allies. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I what are you hiding? If you're hiding something, you must be hiding it for a naughty reason. Yeah. It's a little ill defined, though. I think that it's pretty clear that she's a good guy from the beginning to end. I was expecting there to oh, be sure. I was expecting there to be a double double cross. Like some other good guy on the inside was just setting up things to make it look like she was bad, but she's actually good. No, and, it was pretty straightforward. It was, yeah. you know, she's she has some secrets, but she's good. Uh, you know, the bad guy's bad and evil. And, uh, you know, he's perhaps misguided. And then there's the big bad who's from the other dimension and he's just pure evil. And it's all pretty straightforward. There's no real twists and turns that way. Okay, well, maybe that is one of the things that we can agree on is that this film, while having a lot of originality in the Marvel Universe for introducing magic in a way that none of the others have, it doesn't feel like it could have been done any other way. And for that, it's kind of predictable in that there aren't really that many well-defined surprises for no, I, I found it entirely predictable and i'm not usually one to dwell on am i able to predict the story that's unfolding in a movie sure i want to just enjoy the ride again and again i remember the movie for what i've seen it before and that usually makes a film less desirable to me but i don't actually go through a film usually thinking uh i know what's gonna happen and in this case, there just aren't that many things that take me by surprise. They just uh, kind of fell into the, what is the most obvious thing that could be done and will be done and let's do that. And I don't know, that that was probably its greatest shortcoming. I definitely, because like you, I'm not one that really, um, I, I, I'm very easy to surprise. I, I don't look ahead and think about the film too much while I'm watching it. I do later, but while I'm watching it, it's not like, it's not like I'm going, Oh, what's going to happen. But, but none of it was like shocking or surprising or twist or turn or anything. It was all very straightforward. And this is kind of how things go. We have the Tony Stark character who starts out as, uh, you know, kind of a jerk, and uh, he goes through this thing, and he's like, okay, he still retains his personality, but he learns not to be such a jerk, and along the way, he saves the world. I mean, that's, you know, and and, and evil man is evil, uh, <laughs> evil interdimensional being is even more evil, and, uh, you know, bad guy with a, or good guy with the jerk personality defeats him. Like, it's, it's, it's very Tony Stark uh, journey-esque in that way. I hadn't thought about that, but that's that's true. This jerk, though, also has less of a backstory. We know what his character as a man and as a doctor is at this time, but he doesn't have all that many friends. He doesn't have a father, you know, giving him some sort of angsty, you know, story in the past. (laughs) Right. He he isn't obligated to his mom. As As far as we know, anyway. He isn't even affiliated with an organization where like he is a doctor that is like, flown in for emergencies to help the Avengers or agents of shield. And he goes in and he does the, you know, the, the daring surgeries that nobody else can handle. It's not like he has a history of heroism or jaded heroism where he did the heroic thing, but then, you know, something bad happened. And so he, he, he hung up his cape and quit. This guy is literally just getting started. And he was purely a doctor yesterday. He was single 
he was just living life and he even, you know, it's kind of funny is like he didn't even seem to have all that much inner turmoil until he had the accident. He would have been totally okay to just, you know, coast through his years being this famous doctor and then, you know, retire, read books, drink some, you know, scotch and then die. But the the guy has an accident and because he is a go-getter, he's highly motivated. He rushes ahead to try and do anything necessary to get his hands healed. And then just circumstantially, he falls into the position of, you know, a superhero. And when he tries to get out of it, it's hugely irresponsible of him to do that. And he he is kind of guilted into the job, but he also circumstantially realizes, well, you know, bad guys are trying to destroy the universe. What would you do if you were in my situation? <laughs> right. You're kind of like stuck being the hero, not because you planned to be a hero or even had a real choice. You just right. you're already wearing the cape. You might as well be the hero. Yeah, he really didn't have much of a choice wearing that cape either, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, cloak. They call it a cloak. It's a cape. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, it, it is the, cloak, the, cloak the most interesting cape that I've seen in a film. Um, and there's all yeah. kinds of funky things they've done with it in the comic books, like these huge collars that go up over his head and pointy tips and elaborate brooches that's you know like the uh, hug him and uh, come around the front of the 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 cloak you know how every now and then marvel movies and i guess dc movies as well will change up their costumes just for the heck of it yeah for sure i wonder how much they'll change dr strange's because the cloak i would think has to remain the same and maybe the rest of his wardrobe just changes a little bit from time to time Ah, uh, but it's it's a magic cloak, so it can probably change its appearance, Joe. Oh, okay. So yeah, d- yeah. it's sort of like a mood ring. It's a mood cloak. <laughs> yes, I probably. And along these lines, um, I was wondering da, 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 what that whole like locket around his neck would turn out to be, because it was a relic that was he was using to do some time travel and Yes. It was interesting the way they explained how it worked. It's like they explained its interface. I liked how they introduced it early on. They explained it was very hard, but then when he actually used the thing, it didn't look all that hard. It looked like something, it looked about as easy as controlling an iPod. As long as yeah, he just yeah. been given well, the instructions. It even had like the, the click wheel dial for an iPod, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind it's of the way it works. wrapping around your, your arm. You know, you're just controlling time, TJ. It's not yeah, that hard. Turn it this way to go forward and this way to go back. And you just got to keep twisting your arm around. And if you can twist your arm around 360 degrees and keep going, I guess you can just, you know, as long as you keep turning to the right, you can keep going forward in time. You know, is that how it works? If you can't twist yeah, your arm I, anymore, then you're done. You, that's as far as the, you can go into the future or into the past. I suppose. I, I really didn't pay that close of attention to it. But I did think as a plot device, it worked really well. And like you said, it, it was one of the better things about the film. It was introduced well. Conceptually, it worked well. Um, and and then it, it really came into play well uh, towards the end of the film and wrapping things up. And, and that was one of the better parts of the film, both plot-wise and then also introducing some great humor uh, in dealing with the villain who uh, is technically outside of time, but Doctor Strange has introduced time to uh, to you know uh, limit his his abilities in the situation and kind of trapped him in time. It worked really well, I thought. I agree. Uh, like a lot of the relics, uh, the other relics were mostly just weapons, but anything that Doctor Strange encountered served different purposes. Um, 
the, there was also sort of the suggestion that the relics worked kind of like magic wands in Harry Potter, where the the relic chooses the sorcerer and it has a feel to it. And there's a, re- a special bond and relationship between the sorcerer and the weapon or other relic that they're using. Yeah, I mean, I will say they made that reference, and it, the only thing that seemed like that was the 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 uh, I'm sorry, the cloak. Um, everything else is like I don't quite understand. Like it didn't make a lot of sense, and the magic in in a general sort of way is pretty undefined. Like in most um, in most franchises, you establish the rules early on of what magic can and can't do. Like Harry Potter, the magic is very defined in what it can and can't do, and these spells can do this and that and the other thing. And this is very ill-defined magic. It, it's sort of nebulous, and we don't know really what it can and can't do. Apparently, it can open portals within the same dimension, but then you can also open portals to other dimensions, and you just have to picture it in your head. Like, it's all very sort of ill-defined. And then there's this whole concept of, well, things that choose the wizard, Harry. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> Doctor Strange. But then it was just the cloak that did it, and it never really came back into play. And I just, I don't know, the whole magic thing was really ill-defined and apparently it's mostly only used to conjure weird-looking weapons out of nothingness like i i didn't really quite get it and, and again I, I feel like i'm alone in this opinion what, what do you think no i think you're right and it, it it's also it relates to one of the other shortcomings of at least the story maybe all of the stories for dr strange but if you have the power to travel through dimensions and you're being like the ancient one who's been around for a long time. Wouldn't you use your power to explore other universes and come back and then apply your knowledge to the greater good rather than just use your knowledge to protect this universe and not do anything else. They they behave like monks in a monastery that have, so that serve no other purpose other than to just protect the order of individual universes that mind their own business. But I think that a lot of, natural curiosity in the hands of everyday sorcerers like these people would eventually lead to dramatic changes and explorations of, you know, reality. And you would end up with something akin to the magic world or the magic universe of Harry Potter. Again, something that seems like it's missing from this story is that everything is based in the real universe And then there's all these policies for the sorcerers to not use their magic for anything except basically defense, defense of the order that we presently have. And that order is the natural order where everything just is because it always has been. And because we didn't start with these powers, we're not going to use these powers for not only uh, to do evil. We're not going to use these powers for evil. We're actually not even going to use these powers for good. We're just going to use them for the most rudimentary forms of protection against the dark arts. And apparently filling up Thor's beer glass. Oh, right. <laughs> Great moment in the credits. But again, yeah, but, it, but again, it, came... it was so like, we'd never seen the magic do something like that before. And it didn't make any sense with anything else we'd seen about the it magic. Really it was almost like, like it, it was, was, it felt like it was played it was, for a gag. It was not only that it was played for a gag, but in the context of the credits when it was shown, it looked like it was ad-libbed. It looked like it hadn't been something that they actually planned to use in the credits. But then right. after they had sat down with, you know, Chris Hemsworth and shot it, they were like, ha ha, that was so funny. We got to use that somehow. So we might as well stick it into the credits. 
sense. It, it just, it felt like the whole scene was dislocated from the film because even what they were suggesting, like there was this little plot development suggestion between Thor and Dr. Strange didn't feel like it had connection to the story or what Dr. Strange would do after the conclusion of the film or like the kind of thing that Thor would go looking to find. Why would he go? Okay. What connection is there between Dr. Strange and Thor? Well, everybody would say, uh, magic. Well, no, because the other Marvel movies already established that Thor isn't into magic. (laughs) No, but, yeah. But that's not the basis. It looks like magic to us, but they've made it very clear it's science. Yeah, but then this scene, it goes in the it flies against that. It suggests as though there is something to oh, we understand each other because you use magic. Yeah, and I use magic. Oh yeah, then we understand each other. There's this, you know, this common bond. There's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole scene was a little weird. And and I know it's a little off the beaten path here, but it 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 doesn't make sense either what Thor is trying to do. He's brought Loki to Earth because they're looking for the old father, which we already established in Thor the Dark World is only Loki knows what happened to the old father because he he had um, replaced the old father and disguised himself as the old father, as Odin. And and the, none of it made any sense. It didn't make any sense, Joe. It made no sense. <laughs> anyway, sorry, off the beaten path. All right, so we have spent a good half hour talking about all of our dislikes. I think we should talk about some likes. Uh, well, I'm not done with the dislikes, and that's uh, the thing. Oh, crud um, All right, you say your piece. Get it out in the uh, next 30 seconds. I thought that, that Rachel McAdams was woefully underused in this film. I mean, mm. she's basically there to serve Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, or Doctor Strange, I should say. That, that's what she did. Like, she's there to, uh, to tell him he's a jerk so that he knows that he's not a jerk. He needs to not be a jerk. And then she's there to operate on his hands and help him recover. And then she's there to um, to fix him up when he's all uh, messed up and hurt when he comes through the dimensional thing. And then, uh, like, she's just sort of there whenever Benedict Cumberbatch, I, I keep calling him by his actor name. That's not what you're supposed to do. He's there whenever uh, Stephen Strange needs help. And that's all that she's there for. And it's just woefully underused, just terrible. And especially because I like the character and I like the actress. It, it's just awful. I think that the one reason they had her in the film was so that when Doctor Strange came back to everyday life people, she could be the one to say, so you joined a cult? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I suppose. I mean, she was great. I'm, I'm kidding. I think she was an interesting character and they just didn't give her a lot to work with because... <sighs> The film seems to be as wrapped up with Benedict Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange as the character himself is. Yes. It's not just to Rachel McAdams' detriment. It's actually to the detriment of most all of the rest of the cast. There's yes. sort of an afterthought sort of feel to the the uh, team of other sorcerers and also to the team of the bad guy sorcerers that they are all underdeveloped. They're not especially interesting. They don't have much to do. They don't have character arcs. And they're going nowhere in in the future. In the world building of the Guardians of the Galaxy, you felt like they did a heck of a lot more with side characters that didn't deserve screen time, had very interesting plot points. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it's definitely uh, very absorbed with... with uh... Benedict Cumberbatch. I think that I think that we can can leave it there. That's there was a couple other things I wrote down, but we have been talking a lot about various things that we don't 
really like about this film. And unfortunately, even though I enjoyed it to some extent, I don't I don't have a lot of things that I that I love about this film. So you might have to carry this conversation, Joe. Okay. Well, first of all, we got to say that we are all Benedict Cumberbatch fans. Uh, oh man, yeah. And, Although I got to tell you, Joe, it was weird hearing him try to do an American accent that didn't quite land. Well, <laughs> it was I, just weird. It, it didn't strike me that it didn't land, but that it sometimes it didn't seem like it was even Benedict Cumberbatch's voice because oh, it didn't land for me. It, it, it really felt like he was trying too hard to not be British. Yeah, he sounded so different with an American accent. Sometimes it even seemed like the natural pitch of his voice was in a different place than it usually is. And like I noticed when we were in the film, it sounded funny whenever he was pronouncing R sounds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So his R's were very hard R's, whereas, you know, the British, they're, they're very soft R's. But I know I've just ruined it. That I can't even do a British accent. Yeah, no, but I know I know exactly what you're saying. And that's mostly when he would try to do the R's. It just sounded very overdone. And, and he was trying too hard to be American and not British. And it didn't land for me. But but anyway, but that aside, I mean, obviously, he is a fantastic actor. He He's brilliant. And he's brilliant here, too. Like, he... He brings the same sort of personality that he always does to his roles and, and finds a way to make it unique. I think it would have been compelling if they had gone ahead and let him be British. Oh, I completely agree. And I don't know why they wouldn't make that change for the sake of Cumberbatch's performance. Well, why do you cast Benedict Cumberbatch and then make him be something he's not? I he mean, looks I the don't, part. don't understand. It's pretty unique. He actually looks the part. And it's not important for the doctor to be buff like other superheroes. No, not at all. He can be a thinner, healthy looking stocky guy, but not stocky like Thor material or even, you know, uh, Tony Stark material. Right, right. This guy, he's just a, he's just a surgeon, you know? So, uh, he does, he does fit the bill very well. Um, then one of the other things I liked was how much time they spent in the hospitals. Um, not really dealing with superheroics at the beginning, when they went into the mysticism, they eased into it very gradually at a natural pace. They weren't trying to hop, skip, and jump quickly to the superheroics to maintain the energy of the first, uh, you know, the first act, the first thirty minutes of the film. So it could have been that they very quickly wanted to find excuses to, uh, you know, like derail the the first act with action scenes that just weren't necessary, warranted, or beneficial. Or that they would hop to the, the the mystics, do a thing, and then come back to the doctor until finally they the two arcs crossed and they they coincided you know somewhere in Act Two. The one exception to this was the way it began by showing the ancient one fight against the main villain with his posse, and that was just an opening scene, a great way to set the tone for what you can expect later down the road. It was basically a, an opening teaser that you like, would like see to a TV show before the credits roll, and, yeah. uh, before the opening credits. But it felt really good when it went from that scene into the backstory for the Doctor and you know why he even bothered to go to these mystics. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining at all. It was it was good. Uh, as far as storytelling are concerned, I think that it was beneficial because, but when when you finally see Doctor Strange going to these mystics for help. It doesn't feel as boring as it probably would have been if you didn't know what was to come from these mystics. If you didn't have that establishing scene, you might have thought, 
oh, this is a rabbit trail and annoying and this is lame. And clearly there's some more interesting people out there that he's going to talk to after this scene. And you would have been paying less attention to the details and maybe fallen asleep at that point. But instead, you were actually expecting something really exciting to happen because you saw the the Sorcerer Supreme at the beginning of the film as a badass whooping all these bad guys. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's, you know, to the film's credit that they opened it in a way that got your interest and, you know, led you to know that there was more coming because Doctor Strange, by design, is is not likable at all in the first part of the film. You don't you don't know why we're even with this dude because he's so arrogant and and, uh, you know, a jerk, as we've mentioned. So we know that, that that with that hook in the beginning of the film, they've they've um they've kind of projected that something better is coming, and obviously this transformation is going to involve somehow you know Doctor Strange, and he's going to have to go through a journey to get there, because because he's not very likable at first. You notice how many of the Marvel heroes are kind of arrogant jerks. So really uh, every, everybody except Steve Rogers, no, he's kind of arrogant and jerky sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Uh, Bruce Banner seems like a pretty good guy. Uh, let's see who else. Um, Ant Man's all right. He, yeah, he's, yeah. He's he's more just. Um, I'm just here having fun, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely. There's definitely a, a tone that was set, like I mentioned, uh, by Tony Stark um, in Iron Man, that kind of set the tone for for the 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 kind of pe- the template that we, it's definitely. Uh, you know, at least I don't know how he is in the comic books, but here in the film, he's definitely in the mold of Tony Stark. You know, it's the template that was used to create this character. Mm. So once you get past the first act, the energy really picks up the, the story picks up the pace and we see like the doctor rush through steady. Like there's montages of practicing martial arts and rush through examples of him studying dusty old books and we don't actually get to appreciate what's in those books except that they're in a language we do not understand you see lots and lots of pages where he seems he seems to be intently reading uh somewhere in his spare time he also learned uh another language in order to become a sorcerer uh in addition to actually learning the various incantations and enchantments and spells that yeah. was the other thing too, as far as magic is concerned, they'd call these things like spells and curses, but then to witness what they did 98% of the time in the film, they were just using ways of gathering forces of energy to create weapons and shields out of thin air that they could yeah. swing at each other. So everything, if you could imagine it, you could turn it into some sort of instrument out of you know energy in the air to then swing at somebody else. It seems like a very inefficient way to fight, but then there were some more elaborate things that they could do. So they could bend time and matter to their will. And this in lies one of my, the things I feel like I have mixed feelings about, I like and dislike. Visually, it is very stunning in the inception sort of way to see the buildings crawling on themselves and turning inside out where Dr. Strange or others are bending the universe itself. So buildings are going this way and that like they're weightless and like they're like they're immaterial. And it's rather visually interesting, but it also doesn't make much sense because I wondered 
are there actual stakes to what they're doing? Can they permanently screw up that building by turning it inside out? Would they like accidentally the the uh, the charm is broken and then this building is stuck that way? And what well, would happen we're to the people inside? We're supposed to be talking about inside? things that we liked, Joe, because this is this is definitely on my list of things that I just don't understand and don't like about this film. I believe that the film was trying to convey that there were real stakes when they did these things, and for that reason, I appreciate it because I I hope and believe that there were real stakes by manipulating um, space and matter. It just didn't feel like it, so. If I if I trick myself by saying, no, 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 this most definitely means business, they could definitely be destroying the city or they could be killing people inside of there or destroying their private property. <laughs> oh, no. Think about all the poor people. and How do they how do they get uh, deal with this on their insurance plan? Yeah. Um, then then you can understand that these are real stakes. Uh, that uh, it's no laughing matter. It's it's not a uh, a, a simple matter to manipulate matter it, it goes really really weird sometimes but like, like these elaborate moments where it's like nothing can hurt them so long as they hop about on the immaterial buildings that are coming apart and coming back together again in random ways like a kaleidoscope effect and it's just interesting visually you think to yourself well, if you, these people fall they're going to fall basically 50 stories into a bit of a lamppost that just happened to be floating by um, and that'll kill them. You know? Well, maybe it's a good thing that Dr. Strange had his cloak of levitation then. Yes. Uh, speaking of the cloak of levitation, I thought it was great, which we've already said. Yep, uh, it's, yep. We're really uh, having a hard time finding things to like here. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it was enjoyable, but it, like I said, it was kind of generic and not well defined. Um, I bet kids will enjoy this more because they're not going to be looking at the same characteristics that matter to us, which yeah. I wouldn't have expected because I would have thought that this film it's well, that Dr. Strange's story would have been more sophisticated for adult audiences. Yeah. A lot of people said that it felt like um, Sherlock Holmes with superpowers. I didn't feel that. I didn't either. I, I liked it, you know, and uh, Cumberbatch is always great. But I don't feel like he was capturing the same character at all. Not no, not at all. I mean, he was arrogant, but that's really the only similarities between uh, Sherlock, uh, the character that he plays as Sherlock, and then you know Doctor Strange. I I felt like the arrogance, but but it was even displayed differently. Um, whereas uh, Doctor Strange was much more interactive with people around him, and you know Sherlock is very kind of withdrawn and and kind of you know ticks people off and. And it was obvious that Doctor Strange could uh, grease some palms when he needed to and that sort of thing. So, I mean, they're very different characters, and I, I didn't get that sort of uh, vibe at all. Mm. Vibe is another superhero. I think you're you're crossing universes again. Oh, yeah, I'm getting into the Flash universe, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, really hard to find words to say about this film. I really liked it. I feel like you. I haven't said this myself, so I'll just uh, we'll just uh, hit the repeat button, and uh, it's my turn to say the same thing. Uh, this okay. film is good. Um, I just have a hard time putting into words why it's good other than I just, I find it tasteful. I enjoy the setting. I think I understood what they were trying to go for. Probably its biggest disappointment is that there doesn't feel like there's much weight to the villain. Um, I, I've seen this actor play many villains and usually I understand why he is supposed to be a good one, but he hasn't been anywhere near one of my favorites. I've never seen him in a role where I thought he really nailed it. 
uh, even in Casino Royale, he did a great job there, but not so much that I felt like, wow, this guy is really giving, you know, James Bond a hard time. And we're speaking of Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, he is good, but just not, I don't know. He It's almost like watching a, a costume get together with, you know, actors performing roles. Like, like the, the, I'm not saying it's so bad that he didn't, he took me out of the film. I'm just saying it's not so good that I was convinced he was this character. Um, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so no, I totally get what you're saying. I, I feel like he, you know, he was just there and he was maybe a, a, a cut above some of the other generic Marvel villains that we've had, but, but he wasn't, um, he wasn't given as much to do as he could have been. He, he wasn't, you know, his, he was sort of a one note character. He wasn't giving anything really dastardly to do. He just sort of was there whenever they needed a villain to throw him in at, at the, at the good guys. But these things said, I feel like in terms of what they lacked in world building, they made up for in Dr. Strange building, like as sure, an individual, sure. I felt like he is worthy of the Marvel universe in cinema. Like he, he deserved a movie and he would be great alongside of the Avengers. He'd be great in a, in, a, in some sort of crossover because we didn't have enough Avengers yet. No, of course not, TJ. <laughs> and I would like to see how he would duke out with a, uh, you know, a five-story tall Ant-Man or, you know, wh- what would he do if he was ganging up against Iron Man or something? Well, but dang it, we've already, he's missed the Civil War, though. Oh, snap. But we, we all know that's really all that Marvel uh, heroes really do is they just duke it out amongst themselves. Infighting, yes, yes. Well, we'll see, we'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful they're going to get away from that. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I, want, I do want to say that I really enjoyed Benedict Wong in this film. Very, very good in a subtle way. He didn't have yeah, a few well, it words, was very but subtle. well played. Yeah. It, was, it was very, like he had this, this sort of thing where he didn't laugh at any of the jokes or at anything. And then they really paid that off because it's so subtle. And, and, but when you get to the end and all of a sudden he's laughing and you don't even notice it at first. And all of a sudden, you know, Dr. Strange looks at him. He's like, and he's like, what? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really good. I really enjoyed him. Um, another thing that we usually comment on is the music. Mm. And while the music isn't, wrong per se in any particular way and it is Giacchino right it's yeah it's Michael Giacchino yeah okay not not the most interesting uh of superhero stuff so no this is this is one of the first times I I noted it I wasn't going to say anything about it because I've been overly negative I feel as it is but since you bring it up I I felt coming out of the theater underwhelmed and it's, it's one of the first times that I've walked away from any film good or bad that Michael Giacchino has scored going I didn't really get anything out of the soundtrack, which which is is very odd for Giacchino. So I'm I'm gonna allow it because you know not everybody can turn out you know as much good stuff as he does. So it's okay. He had he had something that was more mediocre. It it didn't take away from the film, and it just didn't it didn't live up to you know the crazy heights of of soaring that he gets to with with other films. You're pronouncing it Giacchino. I haven't heard that before. I, I thought it was Giacchino, but I like Giacchino a little more. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Giacchino. Nice. All right. So. He's one of our favorites. Um, I have several of his albums and I think that he could have even done better. Uh, maybe there was uh, limitations for time constraints or maybe nobody just had any inspiration for the right well, themes. He only scores like 50,000 films a year. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can't hold it against prolific. him. Yeah, I can't hold it against him. 
Yeah. Still, though, it feels like this character would have one of the more interesting soundtracks from the Marvel films. Like, I can understand the Avengers soundtrack for what it is. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and yeah. What they did for Captain America. And, and if you go back and enjoy some of the Iron Man stuff, I find it really impressive how it captures the character. This one, not so much. It, it almost could have been reused for a generic superman like film well, and you can you call to mind even any of the thematic elements uh, can you hum them in your head or anything mm, from this film I, nope. I can't it's not there for me it's exciting whereas with any of the other films i can i can instantly recall captain america's kind of theme da, 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 you know and I, i've got the avengers you know da 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 yeah. and then you know there's uh, uh there's iron man especially iron man 3 cuz i you know it's just uh Da 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 da. Like oh, right, I can recall yeah. all of that, but I cannot recall any of the thematic elements from this film, Joe. And I just watched it. And I wonder if a lot of this has to do with just the setting in which we watched the film, or maybe it was because of the first viewing. Because isn't it just kind of weird that we hold this opinion and the rest of the world feels differently? I, yeah, it is. And and I've I've but it. The thing is, it landed this way for both of us. And, um, but it landed differently for both critics and general audiences. Yeah. I would be more inclined to say if it only landed this way for one of us, that, that might be the case. I, I don't know. It's really odd. But but I get what you're saying because I have had Phil's la- Phil's, films land Let's talk about weird. your feels. Yeah, my feels. My feels about this film. I, I have had films that have landed strange for me. And then I went and watched it again. I was like, oh, oh, no, no. I get it now. Totally. I'm, I'm right on board. Uh, honestly, uh Star Wars Episode Seven was that way for me. The first time I watched it, and it was probably, and I knew this might happen because I was so terrified, but yet excited and nervous, and just like I could, I don't think I was able to actually enjoy the film the first time I watched it. But then I went and saw it again in the theater, and everything landed for me so much better. So maybe I need to see the film again to before I really pass judgment on it. We'll we'll see. Maybe I'll change my opinion. I'll I'll leave myself that room because uh, I know exactly what you're saying. So in the end, they said that a doctor would return or something like that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The D- doctor Strange will return. Okay. So that means he's getting a sequel. For sure. I, I would say he'll get a sequel. We'll certainly see him. I, I think we'll see him in Infinity War. I would because I we should already hope know, so. He is well We already know that he, they that. mentioned one of that, that, that time jewel was, was an Infinity Stone. It's almost like they were actually making sure the audience knew that fact. Yeah, and and I don't really blame them. Like sometimes I get a little frustrated when you don't have faith in your audience, but but it, you know I don't really blame them, and I I don't think they pushed it too hard. They just said, oh by the way, it's an Infinity Stone, uh, and so what's that? I don't know what that is. Oh well, you'll find out. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that's essentially. I don't think they use those words. That's essentially what it was. Is you're going to find out what these are. I think that they could do better with the sequel. I think that it leaves a lot of opportunities for the future. It doesn't have to be on par with this film, it can really surpass it. If they even yeah. wanted to do something like, you know, black widow is always showing up in other Marvel superheroes films. Sure. If they wanted to have somebody like that crossover, it would, it, would, it could also offer a lot more entertainment value, even though that that side character may or may not have a lot of relevance to the story. I think still want really a standalone black widow film, by the way. Yeah, I, I know. I could see that as well. I think that their time is running out. If they're going to do it, they need to do it soon. Yeah, it's getting weird. It's getting weird. Um, Cumberbatch, great. Movie, great. Uh, we should we should do ratings. Awkward. Yeah, uh, you'd have to say that we need to do ratings. I would. That's kind of what I do. Uh, okay, but 
I, I feel like I'm about to be really inconsistent with everything I just said. Okay. I'm gonna Tell us. I'm going to say that it maybe maybe I will be consistent. I give it a little bit of favoritism because while it didn't knock a lot of it out of the park, it still was entertaining, and I expect to be more entertained on the second viewing. So I'm saying it earns. It earns. Well, if our scale is like a four star <laughs> scale, it would get a a two and a half. Okay, but this is a five star scale, Joe. Five star scale. Then it gets a three and a half out of five. Okay. Okay. But it feels so- to me like I would recommend it to anyone as well as I would recommend any other Marvel film. So I would say that in a way it's kind of like, I respect it like a four star film. It's a, it's a decent popcorn flick, right? I mean, it's, it's, and, and I can attest to that because you and I and uh, your sister went and saw it. I was down visiting you for a day and we went to the theater and we saw this film a couple days ago and it was fine. It was a great popcorn flick. I had popcorn. I had some soda, uh, which I hardly ever do, but I had, and I was, it was non-caffeinated. I didn't, I didn't break the, you know, the, the vow, but, but uh, <laughs> I did, I did have some popcorn and, and, and I, I enjoyed it. it and it was fun to, to hang out and watch it with you guys. And we discussed it afterward and it was good. So in that way, yeah, I, it's, it's a fine film and I don't have a problem recommending it and saying, Oh, go watch it. It's good for popcorn, you know, but it's not, it's not on the level of, of a Captain America civil war or the Avengers, um, it's just not there. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've been debating, uh, three or three and a half out of five stars. I'm, I'm still not certain where that's going to land for me, but that's kind of where I'm at. So check it out in theaters or wait for a home entertainment release. You're asking me to make a recommendation to mm-hmm, our audience. Mm-hmm. I think that visually it's worth seeing on the big screen. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. In terms of story, I think it would be just as enjoyable in either place. Yeah. And if yeah, you don't, I, I agree. If you, and, if, you and don't, that's... If, if, if you don't watch these big budget movies for the sake of their effects, then you could pass. And, and I'm sure, you know, people will interact with us and, and say afterwards, well, you didn't spend much time talking about the effects and stuff. And that's because... Joe, and I think you're the same way. The reason we've criticized this film so much is because of the story. That's what we gravitate towards. You know, a lot of people like the the flashy effects and the, you know, the, the go boom, explode and, and all this <laughs> stuff. And and I'm I'm in films for the story. And and if the effects are good, that's great. I, I want effects that are good and I want them even to be the best. But when when the story's not there, it, it really doesn't work for me. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yep. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, that is going to wrap it up, Joe. Excellent. Thanks so much for listening to episode nine of Retake. Where can we find you on the internet, TJ? Uh, so most most of the time I'm on Twitter. It's the best place if you want to interact with me. Uh, I'm there on and off throughout the day, depending on what I have going on. So TJ Draper Pro is where you will find me uh, if you want to continue the conversation with me and Joe about this film. And if you want to find more things that we would uh, promote uh, through the, the network, the modest network of NatOwl.fm, you can find us at NatOwl.fm, and that is the website. Also, it is the, the Twitter handle, right? It's uh, NatOwlFM. It is NatOwlFM, no doubt. Yeah. And then I am JCS Darnell on Twitter. Find me, ask me more questions, get more vague answers about the movies I like. <laughs> And uh, we will see you next time. Thank you.